Hello and welcome to The Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of TheVictoryBell.com, and you're tuned into a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. If you want to know more about Valparaiso University Athletics, go to TheVictoryBell.com, become a subscriber, $5 a month, $49.99 for the entire year, gets you all the content that you need. You know, we've had a lot coming out lately about the men's basketball program, stuff with new players, new coaches, things like that. There's been soccer and football. We still got more football to come. I've, I've, I've just I've got to sit down and kind of go position by position of what the spring looked like for them. Just need to put that story together here as they're going into their off season of still doing more recruiting. There's been a lot of spring sports going on. I just haven't gotten to a lot of them. The softball team has got their conference tournament coming up this week. They play on Wednesday against Indiana State, a team that just swept Valpo at home last weekend. If Valpo could get a win in that game, they would play Murray State on uh, the next day. Uh, and So they start in the 5-12 game, then they could get in the 4 game, um, and that's the road that they're on. The track and field team has got their conference championships coming up this weekend. And then you've got the baseball team, which has got two series left. They've got a non-conference game on Tuesday against Western Michigan. And then they've got a series at Belmont over graduation weekend. And then the final home series against Illinois State. Now, this is important because Illinois State and Belmont are both lower than Valpo in the standings. Valpo already has surpassed their win total of the last couple seasons. They are at the really right now in the best spot they've been in the Valley. They were picked to finish last this year. I'd be shocked if they finished last. They they look like they're they're doing pretty well despite facing a bunch of injuries. And uh, and we'll have some more on that at the Victory Bell here in the coming days. But the baseball team is gearing up to qualify for the conference tournament which will be May 23rd, starting May 23rd in Terre Haute. And uh, and things are, are looking positive for Valpo at the moment right now. They are 8-13 and 13 in conference, but they are, uh, they've got two series coming up against teams that are lower than them in the standings, and, and they are positioning themselves well to not only uh, get into the conference tournament, but perhaps um, get some, a decent seed in the conference tournament as it stands. So... Later on in this episode, it's a good one. We've got Ben Cricky with us. Uh, ben, and we'll talk about this in the pod, Ben Cricky is a guy that gave it his all to Valpo for four years playing basketball, and we never really properly celebrated Ben because of the fact that we just didn't know that he was going to be gone, kind of thought he might be coming back. There was a lot of questions, and then when all of that stuff came to fruition, well, we were dealing with the coaching search and all of that. So uh, really thrilled to have Ben on the podcast. He's going to take us through kind of his entire journey and all of that. Uh, as it stands right now, the men's basketball program is they're continuing to recruit. They've got all the coaches in place, as far as I know. And um, now they're they're getting players. They got Ola in Ajaboya, I believe. Ajaboya, Ajaboya. Um, I have to talk to Ola about how to pronounce his name. A guy that had been a target of Matt Loddick and his staff uh, in 2019. He came on an official visit and then ultimately, you know, got went to Don Bosco, then went to Central Michigan for a year, and now is transferring to Valpo. Um, and, uh, you know, and then you got Isaiah Stafford coming in. Isaiah Stafford, who is uh, coming from John A. Logan. 
Here's a guy that played at Southern Indiana, then played at John A. Logan, was a national champion there. He's coming in. Some rumblings about some other players that might have committed or may be committing or maybe taking visits and all of that. Kind of hard to pin it all down. Um, but I'd imagine that at some point in the coming days, there will be another commitment that gets announced. And uh, looking forward to that one. I, I don't... I don't know that it's official, so I can't really say a whole lot other than this would be a big one for Valpo. I think this would be a guy that could come in and uh, and have an impact right away. Certainly will turn some heads, I would think. So uh, how's that for tantalizing? Make sure you're subscribed to thevictorybell.com so you can get all that information uh, right away when it comes out. So um, that's what we got there. They're going to continue to recruit. They still got four or five scholarships remaining. Depending on, you know, what happens, the last day to enter the transfer portal is May 11th and have immediate eligibility. So you may see more guys available for Valpo to get. You might also see spots open on Valpo's roster. Who knows? I, I you know, I have no idea, right? Like everything's on the table at this point. So uh, without further ado, though, I want to kick it over to Ben. It's a fun conversation with Ben. He's always been a kind of a soft-spoken guy, and you'll hear that a little bit in, in the interview also, you know, his apartment where he was at, they were doing a ton of construction outside. So he told me, I'm sitting in my closet, you know, trying to get to a quiet spot. Really appreciative of Ben being on the pod. Really appreciative of Ben. In all the years, right, like one of my favorite guys to interview, we talk about this a bit in the podcast, he always had the answers when the team had lost, right? It was always, he was the guy that I would say, okay, I'm going to talk to Ben because I know he can handle those questions. I know he can handle that. And um, and I'll, I'll miss my conversations with Ben after games because I thought he brought such a, a fun insight as to what was going on out there. A very meticulous in nature and just an all-around just good, good person. Uh, you know, again, I say this a lot. We're not supposed to cheer uh, and all that, but how can you not cheer for a guy like Ben Cricky? I've never cared for Iowa in any way, shape, or form other than the world's largest truck stop. I mean, the, the, the state just kind of exists. I think many people say that about Wisconsin as well. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa had a healthy rivalry in, in years. Um, but I'll be cheering for Iowa this year. Uh, I just hope that that Ben does well and, and obviously hope that – you know, he gets to the highest levels of professional basketball, whatever that means for him. So without further ado, let me turn it over to Ben. I think you'll enjoy this. Thrilled to have a very special guest here on the Victory Bell, the podcast. Uh, probably the person I've interviewed the most in the last four years, and we'll talk about that eventually. But uh, he is number seven in career scoring at Valparaiso with just under 1,600 points. Sixth in field goal, sixth in field goal percentage. He had a dominant senior year at Valpo, uh, and then everything kind of hit the fan, and we've got Ben Cricky here for one final time on the Victory Bell, the podcast, <laughs> one final interview. Ben, thank you for uh, for agreeing to chat with me. Um, maybe this will be nicer than all those times you we've had to talk after tough games or anything like that. <laughs> you are yeah, – uh, well, yeah. thanks for having me on. Of yeah, course. thanks for having me on. It's, uh, I'm glad I could finally – you know, talk be on the podcast and, and talk about things. I've obviously enjoyed being interviewed over the years. You know, even though it it's been a lot of tough losses and and whatever else, but it's always good talking. Well, I will say this: like one of the challenges as a reporter is is trying to identify early on 
who, after a tough loss, still has the ability to kind of step outside of that loss and look at mm-hmm. things from a 10,000 foot view. And you always had the ability to do that. And so uh, what I felt bad about, especially maybe your senior year here, was that in the games that you guys would win, it was probably because everything was clicking. And so we would go right. talk to other people. Uh, and in mm-hmm. the games that you would lose, we would drag you in front of the microphone and uh, be forced to, to answer for that. So kudos to you on keeping a good head about all that. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. I've, I've got a handful of questions for you. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. In any year when the best player on the team enters the transfer portal, um, that would have been big news when the best player on the team starts looking at other schools, that would have been big news and all of that, but all of it kind of got pushed aside because of the coaching search and all of that. And I always said to myself during this process, look, I, I, I wanted to get to a point where we could maybe celebrate your career a little bit and then kind of talk through some of the experiences you had in March. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so the first question I have for you is, is, you look back on your four years at Valpo and, and what are the, what are some of the takeaways or memories or, or, I mean, do you look back at it fondly? Uh, how, how do you, how do you take your yeah, career yeah. at Valpo? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've really, really enjoyed my time at Valpo both on and off the court. I think it's a, a special community with a, a charm to it. And I've got to know a lot of people, in the community, you know, supporters of the team, fans, you know, just people from from school and church and all that stuff. So just really enjoyed getting to know a lot of a lot of different people. Um, maybe I wouldn't have got to know, you know, my freshman or sophomore year with with COVID and everything being shut down. So the last couple of years was was just great in terms of that off the court. And then on the court, I mean, obviously it was it was tough losing the amount we did and that was no doubt frustrating um and yeah i mean that it, it requires you know a lot of reflection and and you know it makes you ponder like hey like you know am i just gonna roll over and die or am i gonna keep you know keep grinding keep working trying to do everything i can to, to help the team win and you know i took that that second approach and and you know, although things didn't go well in terms of wins and losses, I, I tried to develop I, as much as I could, you know, whether it be getting up extra shots and, or, you know, getting in the weight room, all that stuff that, you know, goes into being a good, you know, solid, reliable player. Uh, you know, I tried to do to the best of my ability. So I think it was a great period of just, you know, growth for me, just for the last four years, like I said, both on and off the court. Um, but yeah, it's been like, especially over COVID when there wasn't a lot to do, I think it, it just really helped me solidify, you know, why I was here and, and, you know, and that was to play basketball and go to school. So I kind of just locked into those two things and, and did my best. Your freshman year was uh, obviously an interesting one. You're coming in mm-hmm. as a unproven freshman from probably as far mm-hmm. away that a, a, a player has come from, not from Europe before. Um, right. You get here, you guys have an up and down season, and then in the conference tournament, it just kind of clicks, and mm-hmm. you guys make it to the championship game. 
when do you remember any feelings you had after that in the immediate aftermath of that game i know it's a long long time ago but you know in your mind was it like all right well we made it to the title game this first year we'll be back just kind of how, how did you take all of that yeah i mean obviously that that entire season was i mean it was up and down like you mentioned but you know we we knew we had that run in us and and after yeah after that loss obviously after the initial frustration there was kind of that same attitude we had all year, like, okay, we're going to make a run. So it was just kind of assumed next year we'd come in and we'd just kind of pick off, pick up from where we left off and, and make another run. So there were, there was never a doubt in my mind. Uh, There was kind of an attitude of like, okay, we have a lot of unfinished business now. And uh, that, that was my mindset going into the season. And obviously you know, it was it was tough to to get practice time in with with COVID shutting everything down. But um, so I had a an extended summer. You know, I went home. You know, that late that March, and then nothing stayed until mid July. Um, but a, a mindset, a similar mindset all summer long of I'm getting in the gym. We're getting back to that title game, and we're getting to the to the madness. Obviously, Javon transfers. A couple other kids, tra- a couple other guys transferred at that point, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you spend the next year, your sophomore year, basically in quarantine. You know, yeah. in and out. You never got COVID, as far as I know. Um, nope. Just how frustrating was that process? To I mean, you came to Valpo to play basketball, and suddenly now mm-hmm. basketball is like not the. I mean, society is telling us it's not the number one priority. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say I was frustrated every time I got called into quarantine and, you know, even to the last one. As much as I got used to sitting in my room by myself, it still sucked every time I got that call. Um, but, I mean, once you're in there, there's there's no sense in complaining about it. So, you know, after that, you know, first couple hours of being like, why? Why me? Why again? Um, it's just... I found other ways to be productive and other ways to get working. So, I mean, and I've always kind of lived with this mindset of like, try to get something done every single day. Like obviously getting shots up is important and it's crucial to the game. Obviously we put the ball in the hoop, um, but it, it then shifted to, okay, in what other ways can I improve? So it was like a lot of push-ups. You know, I, I was shuffling. I was doing defensive slides in my in my room in Beacon. You know, jumping around. You know, doing plyo, all that stuff. Running in a spot, getting in shape. I mean, there was a lot that I just tried to do. You know, maintain my mobility and, and stretching and all that stuff. Um, just a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a, a pivot, just in terms of my workout schedule. And then, I mean, just finding things to do to keep my mind occupied, too, was, was super important. Which that has always been one of my favorite stories. Uh, you know, maybe my favorite answer to a question you've given of many questions I've asked and many great answers. When I said to you, what did you do in quarantine? And you said, I taught myself the stock market. Um, yeah. I just thought was just such a fun response. Um, <laughs> so I will be coming yeah. to you for financial advice later on in life. Um <laughs> 
So you've had such an interesting roster of teammates during your time here. Uh, And a lot of it was, I think, Matt trying to figure out the right mix of guys Mm -hmm. going into your sophomore year. The kind of the aggressive note was let's go get high school players, right? Sheldon, Connor, Jacob. Um, Going into your junior year, let's go get the big 10 transfers. Let's go get Thomas. Let's go get, you know, Trevor, let's go get Kobe. Let's go get, uh, you know, Joe, all of that. And then going into your senior year, it was, all right, well, we had some success with Kevion. Let's go get D2 guys. Was mm-hmm. What was that like? You know, obviously I'm not, you know, you can praise your teammates if you want. I'm not trying to get you to say anything negative. But what was that like to each year have like a different philosophy of roster building? And did you have any, I think about Aaron cool. Rodgers talking about, you know, like, like, can I get some input? Did you ever have any input on anything mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a, a little bit. I, I never really looked at it that way, just in terms of, you know, oh, we're going after the D2s or, you know, it's the Big Tens or the high school kids. I I just kind of, you know, let the coaches do the job the best they could. Obviously, they know a lot more about recruiting than I do um, and kind of know the landscape of talent and stuff. Um, so I, I put my trust in them and, and – let them figure that all out. And I was optimistic about who we had. I mean, we had a lot of talent come in, you know, year in and year out. It's just, I think it was a lot more difficult than we expected to put that talent together. And I think you look at a good team, any good team in the Valley, like a Drake or a Bradley, and their their biggest thing was they had continuity. Like they had guys who stayed in the program three or four or five years and you know they built it from the ground up I mean you look at a guy like Sturts and he was a walk-on and then he became the ultimate role player um so we had a lot of talented guys it's just it's tough to build a program when you know people are in and out of the door every single year and you have to reteach um you know different systems year in and year out and there's always that adjustment period and then there's an adjustment period from the coaching staff like okay maybe we need to reevaluate this system to try to fit the players better and then that doesn't work and then you get a whole new set of players the next year then you gotta you know switch your systems or whatever um so i think that's kind of where our difficulty was because i truly believe we did have talented players yeah, without question, without question. Um, your senior year, you talk about switching systems. About midway through the year, all of a sudden, the whole mm-hmm. offensive system shifted, and and we got to see Ben Cricky, effective passing big man, uh, mm-hmm. from the free throw line. Was was it fun to play that style? Yeah, I mean, from a selfish kind of perspective, it was great. I got to touch the ball every possession. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that was something that. I mean, I've always enjoyed, like, you look at the success of, like, a Loyola with Crutwig, for example. I mean, they ran a a very similar offense where he would catch it at the top of the key and just be a facilitator and and be on the perimeter a little bit more, even though he wasn't necessarily a perimeter player. Um, But, no, I I really enjoyed that. It kind of brought me back to my high school days a little bit of, of being more on the perimeter, I think, 
you know, my first few years, it was the coaches realized how effective I was off the block. And and I was to a certain extent until they start, you know, double and triple teaming. And then it, that gets <laughs> tough to to do anything from down there, especially when they're double and triple teaming before you even have the ball. Um, so, I mean, I from that perspective, I, I like I knew I could expand my game and I knew I had that kind of ability to play uh, more on the perimeter and, and kind of facing the basket more. I wish we would have went to it a little bit earlier. Um, but I, I did understand the philosophy of kind of the two big system they're going for. I mean, Gonzaga and Arizona run it and obviously have had major success in doing it. Um, looking back, I don't think it necessarily fit the personnel. I mean, that's that's the reason why it kind of sparked the change. You know, I I, I just look back and think, Man, and this is it's not I'm not even trying to put this on Thomas's shoulders, but God, if Thomas would have been healthy this year to see you guys get a full year together would have been so much fun to watch. Instead, he led, you know, he he, he did what he had to do. And, and also I, I saw him every once in a while um, play on the manager's team when he could walk. And um, yeah, yeah, he gets buckets. Um, yeah. OK, let's take away the. Loyola and Missouri State wins in your freshman year conference basketball tournament and take away the Bradley loss in the conference tournament. What was your was there like a victory, like a win that stands out the most in your career at Valpo, like a game that you were just elated about when when you won that one? Oh, that's an interesting question, because obviously my my first thought goes to Loyola and then. Missouri State and you know big games in that in that run um it was pretty I think it was my sophomore year when we beat Drake at home when they were ranked and they were coming into our place undefeated you know 17 or 18 and 0 and uh you know we gave them the first loss of their year um I think that was pretty cool the only reason why it doesn't really stick out too much is because there was no fans. So it was, it was cool, but it was like, you know, it was, you know, it was celebrated in the locker room or whatever, but there was no support from the fan fan base just in terms of people there. Um, so I'm trying to think of some ones with, you know, bigger crowds or um, I think it was freshman year when we beat SIU at home and they scored like 38 points or something. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. That was, that was a big win. Yeah. 55 um, to 38 on February 12th. That was definitely a fun one. And, and what's interesting about that game too, Ben, is that was, I think kind of like your breakout game a little bit. You had, you played 23 minutes. Uh, you scored 15 points in that game. You did have five turnovers, but um <laughs> You, uh, yeah, that was, I think that was the game, you know, I just looking back at the box score, that was the one where it was kind of like, wait a minute, like, you know, mm -hmm. this guy, this guy's got something here, right? You know, you hit a three, you had a bunch of rebounds and uh, a lot of mm -hmm. offensive rebounds in that game. Um, mm -hmm. What about loss? Was there, I mean, I can think of maybe seven from this past year, um, yeah. games that were right there at the end, but is there, is there a loss that, that, just kind of 
rearranged your insides and and had you questioning everything in your career at Valpo? Yeah, I mean the seven losses that you referred to, pretty much. Um, Drake at home hurt, you know, this year uh, when we were up and we had him, and you know, just didn't make good plays down the stretch. And I fouled Tucker and had a charge and just made some some boneheaded plays. So that's one that I I'd, I've always kind of wanted back. And I mean there was. I think from other years. Um, I mean, obviously, I guess our last game this year too, losing to Murray State. I mean, that one, that one just was frustrating in about a thousand different ways. So you know, uh, after playing them tight two times and then just not even giving them a fight at the end, that was that was a frustrating way to go out. So I want to talk about the uh, the last home game that you played mm-hmm. against Bradley. There were signs all over the gym. Um, you know, people are chanting one more year and all of this stuff. Like, I can't even imagine what that must feel like to mm-hmm. – and, and maybe you're just locked in the game, so you're not paying attention to it. But, like, what did that mean to you or or what did that feel like hearing you know all these fans basically begging you to come back for another year mm-hmm. yeah it, it was obviously a special moment like you know coming in I was super locked into the game and then kind of you know when I did the walk it kind of hit me like hey I may or may not be here next year um and it was a little it was more emotional than I thought to be honest um you know I'm not much of a crier or anything but I, I definitely like kind of just choked up um yeah and I mean having that fan support of people who have you know seen me play and I've gotten to know in the community for the last four years you know expressing their you know desire for me to come back another year I mean it it meant a lot and I thought those signs were were pretty cool and like I was in a period of time where you know there was so so much indecision um you know could have gone one of three one of three ways obviously and uh yeah I mean I didn't a lot of the senior stuff that like the guys who had you know banners up in the rafters and stuff or like senior like photo shoots and stuff um like I I wasn't a part of that kind of thing just because I wasn't sure um and then I thought you know it, it would be good to at least get honored either you know, either way, I've seen you know, I did that just kind of 50 50. Um, but yeah, no, that was a that was a special night, and then to have my parents there too, who hadn't you know been down to Valpo since my visit back in 2019, I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, just, just a moment that I, I won't forget for sure. So, I want to ask about kind of the process you went through and um and i don't know that fans know this but uh we'll uh we'll bring it up march 23rd is a special day in your life it's your birthday <laughs> right yeah yeah also the day yep. that you found out that your head coach was relieved um uh and 
you know, had you made a decision leading up to that point about coming, going, staying, anything like that? And obviously, uh, you know, when your head coach gets let go, that probably shifts it, you know, one way or the other. I don't know how much you want to get into this, but I figured I'd just give you the floor and just say kind of what was your what was your offseason thought process like? And and obviously, how did Matt getting let go change that or did it change that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, up until that point, I hadn't made a decision. And uh, I spent all the spring break. I was down in Indianapolis and I was on the phone a lot, you know, with my parents and, and uh, you know, coaches and people kind of in my circle back home of, you know, what would be a good, a good decision, a good logical decision to do for next year. And I was still in decision-making, you know, mode and hadn't made any I wasn't leaning any any which way um, at that point, and uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because that day, my birthday was the day where we had like end of the year meetings, and uh, everybody get, would get called into Coach Lodic's office, and and there would be an end of the year meeting and kind of like a a meeting for you know your plans going into the spring, summer, and next year and everything. And uh, I don't know, I, I didn't feel quite comfortable yet going to that meeting. So I, I postponed it um, just because I didn't I didn't want to lead anybody on or I didn't want to, you know, feel the pressure necessarily to, to come back or, or make any commitments that I wasn't ready to make. So I actually I pushed that meeting back. Um, and then ended up just going for a little birthday lunch. And then we, uh, oh, how did it work? I went to go shoot in the afternoon and uh, just got into the office there in the basketball wing. And, you know, everybody was huddled in Peter's office and, you know, kind of talking quietly and whispering and whatever. And I'm like, actually, oh, so back up. This is, so we got a text from, we got a text from Peter saying, uh, you know, we got a meeting called tonight at six. So then I was going to go early and shoot before the meeting. That's how it all went. And then I thought, okay, I'll go in the wing. Obviously I need to grab a water and a ball and everything. And then I'll, I'll kind of ask the guys like, okay, what's this meeting about? It's with, it's with Dr. Small. I've, we've never had a, uh, you know, a postseason meeting with, with the AD before. So I, I kind of, kind of figured something was up. And then I went there and then everybody's huddled, huddled around talking real quiet, kind of whispering to each other. And I kind of figured at that point, I knew what was coming. I thought the timing was a little bit weird, you know, two or three weeks after the season. Um, I thought that something would have already kind of been, you know, you know, if he was going to yeah. let go, I thought that would have already happened, you know, a little closer to when the season ended. But yeah, so that was that was kind of my only hesitation. I was like, well, that's kind of weird timing, but just hearing the way people were talking about it, you know, in that in Peter's office, and then obviously the coaches were looking pretty solemn in their offices too. So I I kind of figured what was going down, and then yeah, I just I uh, yeah finally talked to Coach Lodic about it, and you know I, I was on the fence, and I think. It, it, not, it wasn't necessarily 
what made my decision. It just kind of made my decision easier in a way. Like, honestly, I could have seen seen myself using my, you know, fifth year somewhere else anyway or pursuing pro. You know, it was it wasn't guaranteed that I'd be back. So I think it just made my decision that much easier. So then you've got, you know, Matt and, you know, is gone. The assistant coaches are in limbo, but they know they're going to be gone. And all of a sudden you've got mm -hmm. to now traverse this next step of your life, right? Of, uh, I imagine, you, I mean, you put your name in the portal, I think that day or later on that, you know, and, and I imagine mm -hmm. your phone starts to blow up right away. Um, mm -hmm. You were not heavily recruited coming out of high school. Uh, we, I think we've talked about this, so only a handful of schools. All of a sudden, now you're hearing from the biggest schools in the country. Um, mm -hmm. Was that fun, or was that just a whole nother level of indecision and, and craziness? It was fun, but, I mean, there was definitely a lot of, like, indecision, and, like, it was it was overwhelming for sure. And then I kind of had to step back and go, no, like, I, I get to be recruited again, like, what a what an opportunity! So, um, yeah, this that first day, you know, after it was the the twenty fourth, same same thing. I went into the gym to go shoot and had my AirPods in. I was listening to music, and then the music just stopped. I'm like, oh, what is it? And then my phone was buzzing, and it was some unknown number. I was like, oh, weird. So I just let it ring. Music went back on. Then I got a text. I'm like, oh, what is this? And then it was from Jason Karras, who, uh, I mean, used to be the Dobo here. So I heard, I thought maybe, okay, he heard something through, you know, Peter or one of the coaches, and, and he was just wishing me well and whatever. So I'm like, okay, interesting. Haven't heard from him in a while, but okay, he texted me. And then I went back to the shooting again. And then just the onslaught of texts and calls and, Everything came after that. I was like, all right, this, this workout's over. I got to go take some calls. So <laughs> there was, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how many schools, you know, probably 60 or 70 that reached out in the first couple of days. Just a lot of texts. And makes me, and... makes me wonder what the other 290 were doing. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. here I was, I was yeah. ready for you to tell me that Jason Karras gave you the hard sell to go to Stonehill. But um, yeah, he he was my first offer. Te uh, technically, yes, he uh, he he just sent, am, like, am I your first or whatever? And then this said offer with a little green check mark. So he was he was the first. <laughs> well, that's good. That's keep it in the Valpo family there. There, um, yeah. So you you end up getting, uh, and again, I I don't know how much of this you want to talk about, but. From the little bit that I know publicly, like there was a parade of schools that ended up traveling to Valparaiso, which I just think mm -hmm. is hilarious to me, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and from what I understand, a kind of a a covert couple, uh, like you got to sample all of the breakfast spots in town over a week as all these <laughs> people showed up. Did you choose yep. where you were going to eat? Did you uh, did you say, hey, I want to try La Peep today? I want to try Blackbird tomorrow? Like, how how did yeah. that process go? Uh, I mean, I've been to pretty much every breakfast spot in town, so I know it's good. So we went to uh, I went to the Peep with Nebraska. They were kind of the first, and then 
obviously I don't have a car, so it was kind of convenient just to go to Uptown Cafe. So I met with Iowa there and and uh, a couple other schools there. And I mean, those were those were long days where I just had you know back to back to back meetings, you know, at Uptown, and I would quickly run to Starbucks, and then I would be back to Uptown and whatever. So yeah, it was. It was definitely a hectic couple of days with, you know, people coming in to visit and stuff, but it was good. What were you looking for in those meetings? Yeah, I mean, I was just feeling out kind of coaching style, what my what my roles would be, what the team culture's like. And obviously I would consider things like, you know, winning and, you know, is the team capable of getting to the tournament? Uh, things like that. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a pretty simple, like I, I had a pretty short checklist um, of things. It was just, I wanted to be a part of a winning program and, and contribute a ton and grow my game. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of feeling that out and, and uh, watching some film and, and hearing the coaches, you know, give their presentations and everything. Um, but yeah, not, not a ton of, not a ton of things. I mean, it's it's one year, so what's what's going to maximize the one year and and win games? So that was that was kind of my thought process going into it. I know you're very close with Joe Hedstrom, who's played in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Was he a sounding mm-hmm. board for you at all in talking about maybe some of the Big Ten aspects of this? Um, a little bit. I mean, they both my roommates were pretty just kind of they were supportive and and excited they i would just kind of let them know hey i'm gonna go meet this you know this school today or that school and i mean there wasn't obviously joe i think probably once gave me a rundown of of the big 10 or maybe his experiences but there wasn't a a ton of in-depth you know stuff there he was just always very supportive and and uh you know always looking forward to hearing how the meetings went and kind of you know, what I was going through. Um, I talked a lot with, with Thomas about what to expect in the big 10. And before he left for the summer, he, uh, he would run me through workouts every morning and, and we'd just kind of go through maybe what to expect and, and different moves to work on. So he, he, he was a little bit more of a, an influence just kind of in the basketball side of things. So you're going through all that. And I don't actually know when all the timing, um, shook out when you committed to Iowa, but uh, then Roger Powell gets hired. Had, mm-hmm. Have you, have you, uh, have you had any conversations with Roger? And I guess this leads to another question of, do you feel like a stranger in the arc now? Like, you know, there's a bunch of people in there that, that you don't really know and they don't know you. Is that, is that a weird feeling? Uh, no, it's actually been great. I mean, they, I talked to coach Powell, um, he called me, I forget when, when all the timing of that happened, but talked to him on the phone for, you know, 15 and 20, like 20 minutes and got to know him a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, he, he, he asked me if I'd be interested in coming back and, you know, I had already made peace with, with, uh, leaving and, and just kind of explained that to him. And there was, there was no weird pressure or anything. And there was, he respected it and we just talked and yeah, I got to know him a little bit. And then, you know, just being in the arc, I mean, I'm, I'm going to 
and I have continued to go in there and work out like every day. Um, so yeah, I, I see them and the coaching staff and everybody and, and, uh, you know, talk to them and get to know, know them a little bit. And they've been very supportive of my decision and, and, uh, you know, very, very warm and welcoming to me, you know, um, which just allow me to, to come in and, and do my thing. Um, so th yeah, they've been great and they're all, they're all really friendly, friendly guys and, you know, willing to help out and, and uh, yeah, just really enjoyed getting to have conversations with them. It's, it's a bit weird, you know, not having, you know, coach Lodic, coach Gore, you know, coach Bowen, all the way and Peter, all in, all in their offices. It's a bit of a different look, but it's, uh, it's been fine and I've adjusted to it well this spring. So what is it about Iowa that, uh, that I mean, obviously all those things you just talked about here, you've got a, a great coach, Fran McCaffrey, mm -hmm. a crazy coach, mm -hmm. but, but I think he's crazy mm -hmm. on screen. I think he's more chill away from it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, obviously they look like they're set up to, I and mean, they've had great success in the past. Um, what was it about Iowa that, that put them over the edge for you? Yeah, I mean it's it's an established program who's used to winning. I think they've gone to the tournament five of the last six years or something like that. So and they had a good core group of guys who, you know, are a little bit older and have experience and and are, you know, averaging double digits or whatever. So I'm like, this is a good a good group of guys coming back and I feel like I can contribute in a major way. Um, you know, being inserted into that into that lineup so yeah and obviously with coach McCaffrey I mean he's he's uh had a ton of success he's a great coach he's he gets a reputation for being very fiery which he is towards rest but everybody I talked to said he's all about instilling confidence and and you know building up his players and, and letting them play freely and uh yeah so that was that was very intriguing to me, and I went there out on a visit, and you know, I just checked all the all the boxes that I had, just in terms of winning, a solid program, good good team culture, all that stuff that I mentioned earlier. I mean, they they uh, they checked all the boxes, so I was excited. I didn't want to, you know, wait too long and, and just string things out. And they provided some some competitive nil too, so it was. It was all good. And I, w I wanted to ask about that because that's something, obviously, that's important, right? And um, mm -hmm. you would – I'm not trying to get into numbers here, but you would have gotten some NIL at Valpo. I, I know that early on in your career we were – I mean, you and I had had conversations about this. Like, can international players even get NIL? And I think the NCAA has kind of figured out ways to make that happen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how important is it – like? you're seeing so many guys that normally would jump to the NBA are coming back. Um, mm -hmm. What will this allow you to do? Does this give you a good kind of footing to get your professional life started and all of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good enough money where I can, you know, invest it wisely or, you know, get into some, some real estate or things that I've always kind of wanted to get into like a little bit down the road. So I think it provides a good opportunity, a good little springboard to to get things started from that kind of perspective. I've never been a huge spender, so I'm not I'm not looking to just, you know, blow a bunch of money. I wanna, 
you know, use it wisely and, and set myself up for the future. So, and I think, I think it's good enough money to do so. So I'm, I'm excited. It's uh it's definitely a, an interesting landscape with NIL. I mean, obviously it had been mentioned at Valpo and it's just, it's, it's crazy. Some of the numbers that you hear being thrown out at some of these bigger schools and, and then you think like, what, what is the impact of that? you know, on college athletics. I I don't think it's sustainable, honestly, just just the amount of money that's being thrown around for for individual players and just with transfer rules and people just jump and ship whenever they want. I think it's it's gonna make and it already has made for a very interesting college basketball landscape. Um but yeah, I'll I'll kinda be interested to see. Like these are the first couple of years of it and obviously I'm at the tail end of my college career. So It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. What What was that like um, this year in the Valley? Like it, and I'm just going to use Roman Penn as an example because it's mm-hmm. been reported and, and pretty much stated that Roman Penn got fifty thousand dollars to come back. And I don't know if that number is mm-hmm. accurate or not. But um, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah Mosley did not come back, but they were preparing a six figure offer for him at Missouri State and. Mm-hmm. What was that like stepping on the court with these guys, knowing that? Really at Valpo, you guys got three hundred dollars to put together a bicycle, um, and uh, and uh, some of these guys were getting that. I mean, is there was it, it, how do you handle that? Like, do you even think about that at all? You know, when when you're going into the games or the roster, looking at the roster of other teams. Yeah, no, honestly, I didn't. I didn't think about it once going into games or anything. It's obviously maybe you see some stuff on social media and you're like, okay, that's that's cool. He's doing some brand deal or whatever and probably getting paid for it or, you know, it's like a paid a paid sponsorship or whatever post I'm like okay that's that's cool that's good for him but I, I mean I never really never really thought about it going into the game I mean it's it's just another guy I mean people make money all the time so I didn't I didn't really think anything of it to be honest I think the biggest question that people have going forward is what happens when you know one kid goes to the coach and says, Hey, you've got to keep playing me. You're messing with my NIL money and all of that. And, and I think mm-hmm. we're all kind of up on the outside sitting back and saying, is this ever going to impact the locker room when people, uh, yeah. go, Hey, I'm, I'm contributing, you know, 12 and eight a game and I'm only getting 40 and this guy's doing six and four a game and he's getting 150. Um, how do you how do you think I mean that's the same in the NBA though right I mean is you just have to deal with that the way they do it in the NBA Yeah I guess so I mean I'd hope it wouldn't get to that point but I mean it, it inevitably will I think with people just you know getting jealous or whatever it is about about the money and Yeah I mean that's that's interesting because it's also been like it's becoming like the influencer the influencer type athletes you know whether or not they're good can make a boatload of money just based on who they have following them so it may not the the nil money and deals might not even reflect performance on the court it's you know it could just be this guy's making tiktoks or whatever and yeah i mean there's a guy at michigan who's got four million tiktok followers who makes an but he's a walk-on i think right yeah so you get situations like that and then, so this is interesting to me then because it becomes, okay, well, how's that going to affect 
the game. Obviously, maybe a walk-on wouldn't be seen minutes anyway, but are you going to get a bunch of starters who may or may not be putting up decent numbers? Maybe let's say there's just average starter numbers. Are they going to just be making more TikToks than they are getting in the gym and working out? Like, it's uh, I kind of wonder that maybe, you know, like are people getting less reps and just doing the TikTok grind just to make a buck while they're in college and not necessarily pursuing uh, like a pro career? I'm not sure. It's a good question. And and obviously, I, I think you said it correctly. Like, I don't see how this is sustainable. And so kudos to you for being born at the right time to be able to take advantage of this a little bit. Like I just, I think of uh man, I think of some, some guys that have played at Valpo in the past who, um, you know, probably would not have stayed at Valpo all four years simply because of the fact that NIL money might've been bigger in other places. Right. So uh, it's wild. Ben, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining. And um, what's, uh, what's the plan? When do you go to Iowa? Uh, well, I'm heading back home after grad, so this Saturday, the 13th, and uh, spend three or four weeks at home and then head down to Iowa and get ready for a foreign trip. So a lot of practices and, and training and stuff before we head out there. So, And where are you going on your trip? Spain and France. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is the thing that probably put it over the top, too, is that mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. Get, you get these 10 practices – even before yep. the season starts, which I'm sure is just going to be so key for you to kind of get into the team and all of that. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I guess I didn't mention that earlier, but yeah, the, the foreign trip and getting those practices, getting some games in, in that system, I think is huge for, I mean, it's a one-year decision. So it's not like I have, you know, two or three years to get my feet wet. It, it kind of had to be a quicker, you know, timeline. So I, I think the foreign trip was it's huge. All right, some quick hitting uh, questions for you to uh, to wrap up. Uh, you mm-hmm. alluded to this earlier. Um, best restaurant in town. What was your favorite spot in Valpo to go eat at? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I've always really liked Radius and Furin. Good. I had Radius last night. This is not an ad, but I had uh, after my. <laughs> I returned to the gym last night, going back, working out again. I had the uh, the Waldorf salad last night, the apple okay. salad. Very good. Nice. I did not get I the like burger their, with peanut uh, butter on it. That's that's what I get, the Elvis burger or whatever. It's, uh, it's awesome. By far my favorite burger in town is the Elvis burger at Radius. Um, yep. Toughest teammate to guard in practice over your four years? Yeah, I mean, obviously – a lot of guards can give you know me some quickness problems, but um, I can kind of recover sometimes and get blocks or whatever. But I think TK was was always a problem because he'd get to that quick spin and he's so crafty and patient. You know, some guys will make a quick move, but you know you can beat them at the top because you know they're not they're moving too fast and don't want to you know throw a pump fake on or whatever. But Thomas was always you know, smooth and patient and, and he had the footwork. Um, so he was always a bit of a challenge. Matt Loddick was kind of infamous for wanting to beat everybody in one-on-one games. Did you ever play mm-hmm. Matt one-on-one? No, actually we were planning to, we had it uh, on the schedule for early April, but I guess it never happened. Um, 
Yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've, I've played them a possession here or there and just kind of before or after practice, and he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain that while he was the coach, Matt never read or listened to anything that I put together. Uh, maybe, maybe he does now. So we'll see if uh, <laughs> he, if he reaches out. Um, yeah. Toughest. Toughest opponent in the Valley, uh, individual player in the Valley that you went up against? Like a personal matchup or just a team matchup? A personal matchup. You know, like the guy, the guy when 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 you saw the scouting report, you're like, oh, damn it, this is going to be a long night. Yeah. Um, I think earlier on it was Prim just because he was, you know, big, strong, and he would run the floor. I think that was more my junior year. He He was always solid, and then – He'd hit the the random turnaround shot, and you're like, dude, that wasn't on the scouting report. And then he'd hit one from a little bit deeper, and he'd be like, come on. And then he'd throw a real slow pump fake on you and just kind of lower his shoulder or whatever. So he was – and he he ran the floor, like I said, so he was always good. And then uh, recently probably uh, Mast, he was – he's just solid. I mean, he's not super flashy. He doesn't have a ton of moves, but he – he, uh, I mean, he keeps his game simple. If he's not shooting a three, he's driving it right and backing you down, and he's a big, strong dude. Well, you're going to get to play Rink Mast at least one more time, I'd imagine. I would think Iowa and Nebraska yep. will play each other next year. Yep, yep. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then final question was, you always see a lot of times players and coaches from the other team have kind of a, a respect for one another. Um mm-hmm you knew that these coaches were going to throw the kitchen sink at you, double, triple team, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Was there a coach that you just truly enjoyed kind of matching wits with a little bit on, on the court? Yeah. I mean, I've always respected coach DeVries from Drake. I mean, he always say hi, you know, before the game and give each other a nod and and stuff like that. And he, uh, yeah, he's been great to go up against, you know, last four years and, yeah, just a really solid dude. So, well, hey, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, just some fun questions there, some good stuff, and obviously a little bit of insight. Um, I feel like we shortchanged you a little bit by not maybe properly celebrating your career because, again, we didn't know it was going to end the way that it did. And certainly, uh, mm-hmm. when it did end the way that it did, we were so locked in on, and when I say we, I mean me, so locked mm-hmm. in on matt and luke and roger and all of that so uh thank you for taking the time here i know the fans will really appreciate it and um you know hopefully hopefully uh valpo and iowa can figure out a way to play each other next year (laughs) yeah that'd be great no thanks for thanks for having me i'm glad i could be on the the podcast it's i love listening to it so to be on it was was pretty cool well, thank you very much. Congratulations on graduation coming up and uh, yep. best of luck in all your future endeavors. Thanks. Now I got to go write this paper for this social media class.